0: the mindset and the culture that we have. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, it's football at four. It is powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. A new edition dropped this morning, 6 a.m. Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays is when you can get the Inside the Birds podcast with Jeff Mosher and our guest Adam Kaplan on a Friday football at four. On 97.3 ESPN is brought to you by Dr. Lyle M. Back. For everything from skin care to cosmetic surgery, go to ilovelyleback.com or call 856 Makeover for Dr. Lyle M. Back, a proud sponsor of Football at 4 on 97.3 ESPN. All right, Adam Kaplan is with us. We have a lot to get into as the Eagles' search for a head coach continues. But, Adam, as we know, a couple are off the board. We'll get into all that and more. But first on this Friday, how are you, my friend?
1: Boys, good to talk to you. Yeah, we haven't talked in a while. A lot has happened since we were on last Friday. My goodness gracious. It, it, uh, it's amazing. You know, we have a new head coach coming at some point, I think, in the next week for, with, with the Eagles and Doug Peterson is gone. Um I mean, if you certainly get into that and why it happened. It's, it may be a little different than you've probably read um, or heard, but there's the, the, the certainly some things you, you've heard about it. Uh, the, the, you know, the owner speaks. Certainly, some people are outraged by what he said. We could get into that. Uh, certainly, a lot of head coaching candidates around the National Football League and, and who the Eagles like. And lots going on in Eagleville. I mean, it's
0: quite the week. <laughs> yeah, it is. So let's start with that. You know, why is Doug Peterson no longer the coach? Did he get fired? Did they have an amicable split? Did he not want to be here? How do you, uh, what are you hearing and what do you know about why did the owner and Doug Peterson part ways?
1: It's funny uh, on our show, Inside the Birds, uh, Mosher and I were talking about this over the last week and what might happen. And what we were hearing is, and Jeff, you know, first kind of put it on our show last week, and I added my own spin, but based on what I had heard, it was very clear to us that Doug Peterson was was pushing the agenda of not just Press Taylor being his offense coordinator, which never, never would have worked. Like there's no way that would have worked as offense coordinator. But he wanted, as I was told, uh, pretty strongly, he wanted to come back with a lot of the same staff. And uh, as, as Jeffrey Lurie, the owner, said uh, during his Monday presser, simply uh, when you really look at the situation with Ian and Peterson, uh, Doug clearly wanted to stay the status quo and kind of refire that way, re- refire up the team, and then the owner wanted to look forward and not back. And. They they clearly had a disagreement. Uh, I give Laurie credit for as much criticism as he got, and he deserved a lot of it. I, I did appreciate he's willing to kind of give some, just a, an outlook on what he was, what the differences were. Uh, clearly, he was they, they, they did not agree on the way the team should be built, uh, and starting with the coaching staff. I think that, that that is why Doug got fired. He was fired. There's no question about it. He had plenty. He had two years left on his contract. Uh, between 10 and 12 million, they owe him uh... there's offset language i'm told on the contract so if you, doug does get another job this year uh... he won't make as much as he normally would because there's the the the, the eagles would not owe him as much but the fact because you can't double dip when uh... There, there's offset but the fact matter matters when you look at doug guys it's quite the fall quite the fall for a guy who made the playoffs for three straight years and i could tell you this as an absolute fact talking to multiple team sources they went into last Tuesday's meeting the first of two meetings with the owner I'm told he was it was only Jeffrey uh, and and uh, Doug. The owner did not want to fire Doug. He just felt at this point because Doug clearly did not agree with their, with the way they wanted to rebuild his team or retool it. He had no choice but to fire the guy.
0: which uh, leads us to the next guy, which is the general manager and you know. He is not the most popular
1: guy in this town. Fans outraged.
0: Not now, that's for sure. Well, not before either. I mean, if you take
1: polls, well, it depends there was... when you go, Mike. Depends when you. After twenty seventeen, sure as heck was. Sure. But anyway,
0: right now, after this season, though, if you ask people yes. who's the oh, biggest God. problem, they yeah. would say yeah. it is Howie Roseman. For sure. So, sure. Sure. Uh, why the fans so outraged by what Lori said about Roseman? Because he didn't really specifically mention Roseman as so much as it's a team of people.
1: Yeah, and Mike, it was interesting. You and know, the media asked multiple questions about uh, about Howie Roseman, the general manager, to the owner. And you would think, after the kind of drafts they've had lately that have uh, certainly not been as good as the one in 16 and the one in 18, you would think, like, at, at the very least, and I know my, my two friends are season ticket holders, just said the same thing. Why in the world could you not acknowledge if your, your owner, you, you can't say, look, the drafts have to be better? He didn't say that. He, he, he gave a roundabout answer, he didn't really answer the question directly. Uh, and that just drove people crazy, and that's why you got follow-up questions from the media, because he just would not answer the question it, it, the, the, right, the way he should have answered it. It was just bizarre. Uh, some of Lori's answers, they were not, they were not satisfactory. I know fans are up in arms. If you just check the comments on social media, people are outraged, and deservedly so. I, I, I get it. You know, the, the, the people want good drafts here. They'd like to tell their friends around the country, look at our team, look at the way that they draft, and they've not good, got consistent drafts. Since Roseman came back uh, in power, he 2016 was the first time in his career Roseman had full personnel control. I'm talking draft free agency, 53 man roster, every everything. If he wanted to fire coaches, he could. If he wanted to, uh, but he he, he he could basically could tell the owner I don't agree with this, and the owner could say say the coaches would have to go. I mean that's that's kind of the control that Howie has. Uh, but fact of matter is uh, the drafts have been inconsistent. Phenomenal at 16. Bad in 17, 18 good for what they had, 19 does not look good, and 20 it's too early. So what we want, we want good drafts here in Philly, whether you live in the tri-state area. We want consistently good drafts, and uh, the the GM has not delivered since he came back into power, just too inconsistent, and what fans want, they want acknowledgement of that, and the the owner wouldn't give that, which was kind of surprising.
2: Should we believe Jeffrey Lurie when he says they're considering a coach on the defensive side of the ball? Now, they interviewed Salah, and he ended up going to the Jets, and Mayo's another name, but how much of a reality is it?
1: You know, Hunter, because uh, I was told in 16, uh, I put a scoop out that the Eagles were looking at Jim Schwartz as a potential head coaching candidate. I was told, you know, by Eagle's source, no, we're not. We're only looking at him as a defense coordinator. And, it's, you know, the, the person I spoke to said, look, you got to understand the way we think. We're drafting a quarterback. You know, this is 2016. They made a decision. They're drafting a quarterback. And high." So we want someone to develop the quarterback and that. We didn't know then it was going to be Doug Peterson. The, it was actually going to be Ben McAdoo, the, uh, who would wind up being the Giants head coach. He was the guy the Eagles wanted. And thank goodness for the Eagles he didn't take that second interview. It would have been a disaster. But, fact, of the matter is, uh, you know, Peterson, uh, you know, people have asked this. Um, if Mosher and I were talking off the air about this, would you call Doug Peterson a, a success? Yes. They won a Super Bowl. I, I, I understand that. Well, How is that Peterson even a cares? question? It shouldn't be, right. But, again, he did get fired, though, Mike. He was fired. Whether you, whether you want to, it's a firing.
0: Hey, that's inevitable.
1: Well, look, eventually, sure, whether it's eight years, ten years, or five years, he got fired. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't fired. I agree with what Lori said. He wasn't fired because he didn't do a good job, although we can argue he did a bad job of managing the staff, which I've been on for three years. But the fact of the matter is the guy got fired. But I say he was a success, I mean any would you not call any Reid a success in Philly? Of course he was Absolutely would be. yeah, thank you, Mike so I would agree i would in fact, motion and I need to probably talk about it in one of our next shows, but fact of the matter is the guy was a success
0: now Adam, we had this conversation Broads and I about this whole you know you win a Super Bowl, and at what point like what is the the time frame of after the Super Bowl, that that is no longer, you know, it keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller that like people want to win this Super Bowl so bad. You're held to this standard of winning the Super Bowl, but winning the Super Bowl has now not been a become a high enough standard anymore. Like if you win the Super Bowl and that can't be considered a high enough standard to keep your job for three years, then how much does winning the Super Bowl even mean?
1: Well Mike, here's the way I'm gonna answer that. If Peterson just would have gotten a qualified offensive coordinator, a guy who's developed quarterbacks, he'd still be the head coach. I'm telling you, that's exactly what happened here.
0: Well and doesn't this, he have some doesn't he have some say to say, I didn't want this Scangarello and wig, you guys made me take these guys. No,
1: no, here's what happened. Okay, let, let me let me clarify that. Here's what happened. Yes, Jeffrey Lurie told Peterson to fire Mike Grow and Carson Walsh. That's a fact. Okay. We reported this a year ago. It's absolutely true. Now, he didn't tell me how to hire Scangarello. They just wanted someone who's developed quarterbacks. He could have hired anyone he wanted. He could have brought John T. Flippo back. I was told year he didn't want him back for whatever reason. Uh, so the fact of the matter is, when you look at this guy, Peterson, Doug Peterson, there's a reason why he's out. He did not do a good job of coaching his coaches and developing them and developing the quarterbacks. Look at their progress in the last two years. There's your answers to your test. Mm-hmm. did an awful job. That That's all he had to do is redevelop the quarterback with better coaches, and he was not willing to do it. He wanted to go with the same guys. Every fan listening to, to uh, our, our, our segment here on uh, the, the, the football at four, they all know because they're all smart fans. They, they, know, they, they know Doug did a bad job of coaching the quarterbacks. That's why he's no longer the head coach.
0: I guess the, um, the thought by a lot of people was that Doug was kind of uh, told that those guys were going to be his, you, you need to work with these guys.
1: Not true, I'm told, by high-ranking sources okay. He was never told to hire these guys. He, they, they, he told that What Jeffrey wanted was, was quarterback, coaches, and innovators of, of offense. They wanted someone from a tree, whether it was Shanahan, any, someone like that. But it was Doug's, Doug Peterson's decision on who to hire. Suggested and here's another thing about Doug Peterson. Despite being in the league over two decades as a player and a coach, does not seem to know who the great coaches are in the National Football League. Is Why do I know that? Because he wanted to bring back the same staff. Case closed.
0: All right. uh, Adam Kaplan, Inside the Birds podcast. Great stuff. Howie Roseman, you mentioned 2016. Now, he's a very interesting uh, guy to kind of nail down to Mm -hmm. what he's responsible for, what he's not responsible for. You know, we've heard it's a collaborative effort that Jeffrey and Roseman and Peterson, I don't know how much we believe... Well, the coaches won at Rieger and Roseman and his staff won Jefferson. You know, if that's the case, you know that makes it sound like, well, you know, how much power does Roseman have? And I go back before twenty sixteen. I don't know what
1: that. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what. I, I saw some stuff out there that's just not true, but I, yeah. I don't know what. Some. It, it just go ahead, Mike. I just see some stuff out there. All of a sudden, we're seeing this. <laughs> right.
0: Exactly. So it's almost like they're trying to make it difficult to pin blame on Roseman. They're trying to make it like a collaborative effort. And I'll, I know, I'm pretty sure you were there when Andy got was having a tough time and Jeff Florey had a press conference and he said, look, we used to go off Andy's draft board. And how we used to make a draft board, we never really went off that, but we're going to incorporate his draft board more now. So how much influence does Roseman have on draft day and how much influence did Peterson have because it was like Peterson was had no voice but then you're hearing well he wanted this guy and he got you know so how much influence does Roseman have on draft day
1: uh, he has personal control he makes all the decisions he takes input because you got to know what the coaches need to be successful uh, the the biggest issue with the football team in 2019 was speed of receiver they were going to go they were going to go with Rager is just the way the I put, a, I put a scoop out a week before the draft. The Eagles are very heavy on Rager. They want speed. They want versatility at receiver, and that's the way they were going. Now, why didn't they go with? Why didn't they go with Justin Jefferson? There was a belief internally that they that they didn't think he could play on the outside. Uh, by the way, and then be successful. Now, obviously, that we know what the results are. Not very good. If you had that belief, there were a lot of teams that felt the same way. Now, when it comes to Jalen Rager. They thought he's super explosive, also as a returner, as a punt returner, though he didn't do very much uh, this season due to injury. But they believed, and Roseman did, because he picked him. I, I'm, trust me, he liked Rager. The, he was not talking to anything. That's just complete nonsense. I don't know where that came from. Uh, I don't understand the spin control that's coming out this week. And, by the way, it wasn't just one, one reporter. I don't, know. I don't know what's going on with this stuff. I just kind of laugh, and there, there's some agendas going on here. But trust me, they wanted Rager, and that's the way it was going.
2: Looking ahead at what's next, you softly mentioned it at the top, but what exactly is the timeline for this new head coaching hire?
1: Yeah, and I know people have asked me that. I, I do believe by next Friday, if, if we don't have a head coach, it's because they didn't find who they wanted. I'd I, I look for second interviews next week. Now, unless something happens, and this has happened when I've done it, involved with coaching searches in terms of reporting, gathering information, every once in a while, a guy that will have an interview where they just blow him away. Andy Reid in 99. Andy Reid had never been a coordinator before. The Eagles did the research. I remember Joe Banner, the Eagles' former president, telling me it was over after they interviewed Andy Reid. It was over. They interviewed a lot of Jim Hazlitt and a lot of pretty good candidates in 1999, but they were blown away by him. And it was over as far as they are So you never know until you sit down with someone. And that's the thing. When you hear someone's a favorite going in, it doesn't mean they're getting the job. Robert Sala was believed to be the favorite for the Lions job. He wanted the job. They wanted him. He he went to school in Michigan. He's from Michigan. The interview didn't go as well as they had hoped. It didn't work. Four days later, he's the Jets head coach. So you got to be careful when uh, you see these reports out there. Oh, this guy's a leading candidate. Well, he may be going in this the, the process, but he may not be going out.
0: Adam Kaplan, uh, it's football at four from the Inside the Birds podcast. Those guys do a great job. Make sure uh, you listen to Inside the Birds for a lot further in depth on all these. Of course, uh, we're limited on time, so we want to keep moving and get to the next one. And here, here we go. In person interviews that are happening. Do Staley gerard mayo there today any one of those two have a legitimate shot to get this job
1: all right so let's go with defense guys because hunter brought it up the only way a defensive head uh, guy from the defensive side of the football and gerard Mayo is really smart and he was a really good football player for the patriots He's only been coaching less than four years they would have to have a all-star staff like i'm told that um joe brady the panthers uh has a great staff he's trying to put together now, whether he could get those coaches or not is, is another story. But uh, Gerard Mayo would have to have this great quarterback developer because I'm telling you, uh, as I noted on our, our Friday morning show, you can hear a little bit more about it, but I'll give you a little snippet, a little, little, little nugget. I talk about on that show Joe Brady and what he's trying, you know, what his, how his interview went and, and so forth and what the Eagles are looking for in, in, in a coach. And some of the traits, uh, Mosher and I talk about. But it, believe me, folks, when it comes into it, you got to have an analytics. You got to be willing to embrace analytics, like Doug Peterson was. It's, he wasn't getting the job unless he embraced it. And I give a nugget about the quarterback situation here in Philly, which is fascinating from uh, multiple sources that told me about these the interview process with the Eagles. So, um, you, you better, if you're a defensive coach, guys, you better have someone who could coach the quarterback to, uh, position and also develop the the, the quarterback. And also believes in the passing game. That's another issue uh, for these coaches.
0: So let's talk about the guys who are still in the playoffs: Kafka, Bieniemy, Brian Dable. Those are uh, Todd Bowles. Uh, those guys are still actively coaching. So yeah. handicap that group.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, Todd Bowles is guys they know. Uh, John Filippo, the Bears OC, was on his list uh, to be his his offense coordinator with the Jets. Eagles blocked him in twenty seventeen. I suspect that he would be one of the guys he would consider if he would get a head coaching job as his offense coordinator, and obviously the Eagles know him. Um, he left him pretty good terms, and then when you when you, when you that's actually a good guy to have because he was the one who developed Carson Wentz, and actually, Nate Sudfeld. And he's done tremendous work. Uh, when you look at Brian Dable, I'm told the Eagles do have interest in him. Uh, Brian Dable has to make a decision whether he wants to be a head coach now or later. Uh, Brian Dable is going to be pursued for interviews by multiple teams, I'm told. Really, he's done one of the best jobs of my 21 years, guys, of, of coaching quarterbacks. Look at the job he's done with Josh Allen. I've never seen accuracy improve so much. He's done a great job. Uh, we talked about Joe Brady. Kellen Moore also is a guy that's uh, – I don't know if he's interviewed yet. He's on their interview list. They know him. He knows them uh, because he's coached in the same division and played in the same division. And Mike Cavett is a guy they think is super smart. They want to talk to him. Um he might be on the list of Dan Campbell, who's the favorite to get the Lions job, I'm told, so keep an eye on that. Super smart. He's their pass-a-game coordinator. He is, the, he is their pass-a-game developer. He works with the quarterbacks. He's got a little bit more juice than BNME because BNME does not really work with the quarterbacks like Mike does. BNME is going to be more of that CEO head coach like the Tom Coughlin type. I love BNME because he, he's got great command. Mike's Remember, Mike's only been coaching four years. Let's... I think I know the Eagles think he's super smart, and he redrafted him here in 2011, so he knows him. But I just think we're a little bit early with Mike Kafka, but I know I know this. They like Mike Kafka, and they're really interested in talking to him. We'll see what happens.
2: How about the college ranks? We've heard the names Lincoln Riley, Ryan Day, and even Luke Fickle's name's been thrown out there.
1: Yeah, Fickle's done an unbelievable job with Cincinnati. Um, he, he, we'll see what happens there, but they've noticed him. Uh, I don't believe Ryan Day is on their list. I just know that what happens is when when you go into a coaching search, you might start with 30 names and you will it down to 8 to 10, sometimes a little bit more. The Eagles have a little bit more on their list. But I've not, Ryan Day used to work for them, but I have not heard that he's on their list. They may have done research on him, but I've not heard that he's on their list. But who's the other guy, Hunter, Lincoln, that you mentioned? Lincoln Riley? Oh, yeah, he's on the list. They love him. Um, the way I see it, you can put him at the top of the list. If he's willing to sit down with them, Howie Roseman, Chip Kelly, was his. His man in 2013, he was not losing that race to the Browns and Joe Banner when Banner was running the Browns. Uh, you know, I know, I know. Joe said that um, they liked Chip, but he was not their first choice. And you know, you could choose to believe what you want, but Joe did tell me that. I could just tell you though, Roseman was not losing that battle, and he got Chip Kelly.
0: Uh, let's leave with this before we get who you think will be the coach. We go back to Roseman real fast. John Dorsey's here. Does John Dorsey end up having more say on draft? Does the Eagles do something? Or will Roseman be in charge of the 2021 draft?
1: Yes. John Dorsey's just a consultant. I don't know where people are getting all this stuff. John and Howie have known each other for years. Howie's had Howie and Howie likes talking to guys who he respects, mm-hmm. and that's just the way it is. Yeah, I, people run with stuff. When uh, Mosher and I've known about this probably since August. But we had not heard his name, so we kind of forgot about the story, and then it got reported by NFL Network. In fact, he's been, he's been talking to Roseman since probably May about potentially coming in. They just not get, they didn't get the contract done for a couple of months, and they, then he got, he got brought in really um, in certain meetings. I know he's been involved lately just in terms of, uh, of talking to Howie and, and looking the way things have been done. But no, this Roseman is full personal control. He's not giving it up to Dorsey. I, I don't know where this stuff starts.
0: Okay, uh, The coach will be. Who's your pick? prediction.
1: Uh I Lincoln Riley if they could get him. I just I don't know that he's willing to leave. Um some people around the league think he wants to be a head coach, some say no. We'll see what happens. Remember he flirted with the Cowboys last season. Uh but a lot a lot could happen here and by the way Listen to our show Monday morning. We're probably going to have two or three names. If if they, if they have not zeroed on anyone on Monday, we're probably going to have a couple names we're going to add to our show. So listen at 6 a.m. Eastern on YouTube and any pl- podcast platform.
0: There you go. At Kaplan NFL, if something happens, follow him on Twitter. Of course, Jeff Mosher will be on Monday's show for Football at 4. Those guys will have a new show at 6 a.m. Monday morning with the latest on the Eagles coaching search and all next week on Football at 4, powered by our friends at the Inside the Birds podcast. Adam, have a great weekend, man. Guys, thank you. Good football stuff. Good football conversation. There you go. That Dorsey stuff at the end, I wanted to make sure uh, we popped that in there. We had a comment on the Facebook page who uh, asked that very question, and I thought it was a good question to bring up, which was the fact that chances Howie gets a new title and John Dorsey is the GM. Doesn't sound like Adam think that's a possibility at no, all.
2: Let, let me ask you this, though, because I know that, look, there's been a lot of stories out there. Does this change your opinion at all? from what you heard today about Howie Roseman and the power during some of these moments and some of these crucial decisions?
0: um, Yes and no. I, I thought what, I, and I know what Um, the, the question that you're asking is that there's this collaborative effort and he has the final yeah, and, say. And to be
2: honest with you, I'm on your side to a degree that he didn't have as much power as maybe we thought, yep. but you know, you listen to someone who's really connected and it seemed like Howie Roseman does have a lot more power than maybe we thought he did. Well, i I'll,
0: yes and no. He, he kind of said, yeah, they do have this collaborative effort. The thing that he really shot down was that one side wanted Jefferson, the other side wanted Rieger. I don't know where to think about all that, but here's what I, um, you know, I think we were all under the impression that Peterson, that Groh got fired and Peterson didn't want Groh to get fired and that Lori and Roseman basically said, these are your guys, figure it out. So if, if Peterson got to pick Scangarello and Morningwig... That's on him, then.
2: Oh, no, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. You're right. So they forced, the way I read that was, no, they forced Grow and Carson Watch out, but they were like, hey, you can bring in guys. Who do you want? Right. So those were his decisions. Those right. guys were Doug's decisions.
0: Right. And by the way, there was a comment that Howie Roseman said during the. Uh, that press conference that they had the one with him and Doug correct one with him and Doug and I read back through the transcript. I actually tweeted it out. I got to see if I can go find the tweet. Oh, here it is. Howie Roseman said on January the 4th, I have incredible trust with coach Peterson and I think the way we handle it is that he handles his coaching staff. He's in charge of that coaching staff. He hires his coaching staff. That's what Howie Roseman said on January
2: the 4th. I think that got slipped under the rug a little bit. Yeah, but it's interesting, though, because let's say you give the coach, say, you can hire whoever you want, except these three guys, knowing that that's who he wants to bring back, you know? So he does have the power, but you can't choose the three guys who you actually want because they didn't do a good enough job.
0: Fair, but I think the perception that I at least had was he didn't want Scangarello and
2: morning wig that they were given to him right I agree I thought the same thing I thought he was forced those guys but he he chose those guys and just to play devil's advocate on myself just because you have three options off the table there's a lot of coaches you should be able to find some guys you can work with at a higher rate than you did
0: football at four is brought to you by Dr. Lyle M Back proud sponsor of football at four call eight five six makeover for Dr. Lyle M back from skin care to cosmetic surgery go to I love Lyle at Mike Gill show on Twitter at Broads81. Give us a follow there. Watch the show live on our Facebook channel. And coming up tonight at 7 o'clock here on 97.3 ESPN. It's Flyers Hockey as they take on the Penguins when we come back. More sports bash on 97.3. Happy hour. Friday with the PT at five. We got a big football hour at 5 o'clock hour. PT, Casey Joyner, Johnny Clayton, all jammed into the 5 o'clock hour, just for you guys. Tomorrow, it's the divisional
1: round as we bring you a double header of NFL playoff action. Hi, this is Scott Graham of Westwood One. First, the Los Angeles Rams take on Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers on the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. Then, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens head to Buffalo to take on Josh Allen and the Bills. If it's the NFL playoffs, it's right here. Listen to the NFL
0: playoffs on 97-3 ESPN. Coverage begins at 4 p.m. Good afternoon. On 97.3 ESPN. At 4:30, bottom of the four o'clock hour, half hour from now, Happy Hour Friday with the PT. Uh, We'll talk a little Fly Guys with him, talk a little Eagles head coaching with him, get his thoughts on Ben Simmons. We got plenty of that coming up here on the Sports Bash. These Friday shows, they just move, man. I can't believe it's 4.30 on a Friday.
2: They all move, I feel. It's because we're just having great conversation. That was really good with Adam Kaplan. I really enjoyed that. Absolutely. I also enjoy making a lot of money and DraftKings is giving all new players the chance to bet on any of this weekend's pro football games at 100 to 1 odds. Bet $1. If your team wins, you cash $100. There's also daily odds boost for the 2021 basketball season that just tipped off. Download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 973 when you sign up. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So the takeaways from
0: that, there's a couple of things. One, If Doug Peterson hired his own, if he brought in Scangarello and Morning Morning Wig, he failed miserably. Yes. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Because we kept saying all through the season, you know, oh, well, maybe you don't,
2: you're not trusting those guys as much because you know you don't have a connection with them well what blew my mind is one of the reasons why they brought these guys in is because of pre-snap movement this and that yet when you looked at those statistics surrounding the league they fell in the bottom five in those categories so one of the reasons why you brought these guys in is because you wanted to implement some of their benefits into your offense yet you didn't even do that so it was at the time you think well maybe he didn't trust these guys because they were thrown on him but he was the one to hire them So it's weird.
0: That is weird. That's definitely a weird dynamic. Um, Somebody texted this in earlier during uh, our conversation with Sal Pal. Says, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Doug P at the helm while this team floundered
2: and is now dysfunctional? Yeah, but when it gets to this degree, you always have to look all the way at the top to start. So is he trying to say that the reason why it's this way is because of Doug?
0: I think so. He's trying to say, like, he was the guy in charge.
2: See, this is like the but, problem but with he everything wasn't. in the world. There was there was <laughs> two guys above him that are more significant to a downfall. So he wasn't right. at the top.
0: Yeah, like Yeah, people under the guy with the most power, the owner, have fault. But in the end, the owner causes the dysfunction. The person who is ultimately in charge gets the most blame, whether you like it or not. All these other little things could happen. The offense doesn't run well. The defense has this. The general manager misses on picks. They don't like each other. The relationship's strained. That, Those are issues. And those issues occur because the owner of the team allows it to occur. So when you have problems, it goes to the highest level. The owner maybe being an absentee owner, maybe playing favorites. Hey, I like Hallie Roseman, so I'm going to take his side. And because he takes Roseman's side, him and Peterson have a rift. The owner can squash that by handling the situation fairly and evenly and not taking a side or playing a hand of, hey, well, Roseman has been a good soldier, so I'm going to take his side. Jeffrey Lurie has the most blame because he's the owner. It's like on game day. I blame the quarterback more than everybody. Why? Because he's the most important guy on game day. I can't blame the owner on game day. He doesn't play on the field. The most important guy I will blame almost a hundred percent of the time when a team loses is the most important guy. That's the quarterback. Other people have a factor and they deserve to get their name mentioned. But when you mention those other names, when we want to not blame the most important person, and you want to say, well, it's that guy, it's this person, well, they did this and they did that, you are taking attention off of who the blame really goes to, the most important person, and that's in everything.
2: And you can honestly look at the 76ers almost as the example. When Joshua Harris was involved with Cohen and and all these other guys, it was getting really bad, and it just kind of snowballed into the product on the on the court, and now they make that change at the top where Joshua Harris made the decision, I'm going to step away, I'm going to have my guy step away from basketball, um, decisions, right? There were guys up top making basketball decisions that had no business at all, who had no clue anything about basketball. He made the decision as the owner to step aside, hire, hire Daryl Morey to do that. And now look at what's going on. Everyone's excited. People are loving the team. It's entertaining. So it does start at the top above Brett Brown. Those decisions had to be made prior to the change occurring that we are seeing on the yeah. floor. Yeah. Like, the, I think the Sixers point—and and the Flyers, too.
0: They don't have, really, a face— Yeah, um, they, they don't have an owner.
2: Weird. Right, it's Comcast, so it's a little bit different how but they when operate. Ed
0: Snyder was there, you could blame Ed Snyder. You can give him a lot of praise, but you can also give him a lot of blame for— The Flyers had a lot of dysfunction.
2: Well, because they were so tied to Bobby Clark. All the old Flyers, it's like, instead of getting newer hockey guys, they fell in love with their family, and they stuck with their family. You can't just stand with them. You got to go out and get better personnel.
0: And the Phillies, similar, where they have been a very tight-knit family organization. But who are we blaming right now? We're looking at John Middleton and pointing the finger at him. Look, I know people don't like to do this. We always want to try to blame the lesser person. We want to blame uh, the number three guy in charge or the number four guy in charge because you don't like them as much. If you blame the most powerful person, your answer will be easier to get to. Jeffrey Lurie is the problem of the Philadelphia Eagles right now. Jeffrey Lurie has also been a positive for the Philadelphia Eagles. When the organization is rocking and rolling, Lori gets that credit because he's the guy in charge. And when you rock and roll, it's because you have peace and harmony in the building. The coach gets along with the players. The players get along with the front office. The front office gets along with the staff. The staff gets along with the workers, yada, yada, yada. And Jeffrey Lurie sets that tone. Well, he also sets the tone when things go awry. So you can try to say, well, I don't like this person. It's their fault. I'm blaming them. They have some blame, but the ultimate blame goes to the most powerful person in the room. And that falls on Jeff Lurie, just like the Flyers' problems fell on Ed Snyder for enabling a... It's not bad. It's not like, man, what a jerk. He enabled a family-like atmosphere. It's not a bad thing. It's a small-minded thing. But that's what he wanted for his organization, and it's why the team didn't have as much success on the ice as they could have had. He wanted to win so bad that he made irrational on-ice decisions. Go get me a goalie. Oh, yeah, Brizgolov. That worked out real well. Right, but that could be blamed on, so you could say the GM made that decision. He was told to make that decision by the owner. Yeah. I blame the owner for that. I don't blame whoever was in charge at that time. I don't even remember who it was. Yeah, it was I don't the know. The Flyers to, GM at that I'm time. I'm trying
2: to think. Was it Clarkie? Uh, Holmgren,
0: probably. Oh, that's who it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's that's a mix there of and Homer. Yeah, all those guys. But yeah. you know, the Phillies—they won the one World Series that they have when they went outside of this organization. And I'm not saying that the Giles family are bad people, or that they're jerks, or that they're—they did something so bad. They were just small-minded by keeping the, the Phillies organization very in the family. And it's
2: not always a bad thing because I know right now the Flyers are having success, but one of the reasons why they are, and they brought in Chuck Fletcher, they brought in Elaine Vignoso, so that's out-of-the-box hires, but without Ron Hextall, who was obviously a Flyer guy, part of the family, you wouldn't have all of these young studs that we're all excited for. The problem with him was he wouldn't pull the trigger later on to actually pull them up into the NHL system. He would would go with the late. Hey, let's let them grow. Let's let let's let them play. Let them play in the minor leagues. He was afraid to let them take the next step. But without Ron Hextall, you wouldn't even have these young. No, kids. I think
0: Hextall. Hextall is like the Ed Wade, but worse. He he drafted these kids, so he, he did a the, tremendous yeah. job. Like they made a comment on the broadcast the other night that this is the first time in I don't know how long that the Flyers don't have a person, a player making their NHL debut. And that's because the, and the team is still young. They have a lot of young players and the team is on the upswing. And that is because Hextall hit on
2: so many guys. Phil Myers is going to be your starting defenseman next to Provorov, undrafted. Seriously, he's going to take over that right side on the first D pairing undrafted. That's incredible.
0: Yeah. Um, but the Hextall thing was so wild. Yeah. All the stuff about how much he had moles and I mean,
2: yeah, he would force them to eat certain things on the on the play. Oh yeah, there was like stories about they couldn't eat certain items after games. You get you were forced to eat this. It started to get a little weird towards the end, but in terms of drafting, you want be where right. you
0: were. No, exactly. So It doesn't mean that you can't kick that approach, but once you take that approach and that approach doesn't work, you need to also, the owner,
2: be the person that changes that approach. Right, because Carter Hart probably still wouldn't have been in the NHL if he's was here. (laughs) That's how afraid he was to pull kids up. The Eagles,
0: look, this organization, I don't remember people ever blaming Laurie and saying he's the problem. People pounding on the door for him to sell the team, and I don't think it's gotten to that point. But this is the first time I can ever remember Laurie's name being brought into the discussion of the problems that
2: this team's had. Is it because this is the most he's ever had his hands involved? Or was that always happening? It was just more behind closed doors. Well, he
0: said it the other day. How much has your involvement changed? He said, in 25 years, it's the same. Right, but do we really believe that? I don't know. I'm just saying, like, maybe he has been like this for 25 years and we just don't know it.
2: No way he was... Like, Andy Reid was here. There's no way that Andy Reid and Doug Peterson got the same treatment. I just can't buy that. Because Andy Reid, at some point, he proved himself. Maybe the first couple years, and then Andy Reid proved himself so much that he felt comfortable taking that step back, and he never felt that way with Doug.
0: See, Roseman was at such a different spot in his existence. Not to mention, he didn't have a Super Bowl on his resume. Right. See, I think winning that Super Bowl, it's so weird, though, I think winning that Super Bowl for Roseman locked him in, but yet it doesn't do it for Peterson.
2: But he was the same way with Banner, though, no? The way that Banner was treated was, you know, this is my guy, this is my friend, I'm not just going to cut him, cut ties and move on. Like, Joe Banner was here for a significant amount of time. Is it just what he does with his guy behind him or next to him? He eventually got him? rid
0: of Banner, though. That's,
2: that's what I'm saying is he eventually did.
0: Yeah, but I, again, Banner didn't win a Super Bowl, and... Roseman did, and you heard Lori kind of take Roseman's stance. We went for it in 18. We went for it in 19. I directed that. I said it's okay to go for it in 18. It's okay to go for it in 19, even if it's going to force us to go off our organizational philosophy.
2: Well, then this is what you got to do, Lori. Prove to us that if you get back on track with your organizational philosophy, which you have good track record of, that we're going to be okay, right? I mean, if he believes if getting back on track is what will make this team successful again and have sustained success, then fine, show me.
0: This season, I think, is a big year for for Roseman because if they get right back at it and go from four wins to ten wins, like I suggested yesterday, he goes right back to, see, it wasn't that bad. The roster wasn't that bad. It wasn't as devoid of talent as everybody's making it out to be. And i got to be honest with you, I tend to agree with him But is that bit. a
2: product of, if you were in a different div- you might be able to get some wins against the Giants that maybe you wouldn't have got if you were in another division. Like, if you're a 9-win team in the NFC East, are you a 7-6 win team in another division? But it doesn't take, matter. I was going to say, they have to play who is on their right. schedule.
0: It doesn't matter if they were in another division. They're in this division. That's fair. fair if they port. win 10 divi- wins in this division, that's what you're graded on. That's fair. You know? So, Roseman goes... They win 10 games next year. Roseman goes right back and said, see, Lane Johnson got hurt. Brandon Brooks got hurt. That's why we struggled the year before. I gave us talent. That talent just
2: wasn't on the field. And you should be rooting for that, though, because that means the turnaround won't be long enough. But there's a lot of Howie haters to the nth degree that would rather him fail so miserably for a couple years so they are, can get
0: rid of him. Are people rooting against the Eagles to succeed so they don't have to give Roseman credit? Absolutely. Wow. Wow. I wonder if those people exist. Of course they Are do. Are really out there hoping that the Eagles fail so that you don't have to give Roseman credit? They'd
2: rather be right than, than admit that Howie Roseman did a good job. Imagine people Jeez. allowing that to come out of their mouths. They wouldn't do it. Sports Bash Live. Happy Hour Friday. Pete
0: Thompson. 15 minutes. Turn it on. Leave it on. The Sports Bash on. 97.3 ESPN. ESPN. Can you imagine having so much spite build up that you would prefer the team you root for to fail because you don't want to have to admit that maybe the person you thought was an issue isn't this big of an issue as you thought he was
2: right that's like me rooting for the Sixers to lose and Ben Simmons to fail now that I have turned the page and went more in a negative mode I want him I would want him to flip me off right double bird right to the face Bro, I heard what you said and go win a championship why would I not want that of course I want that I'm not even big on Howie if you tell me he turns around and we're successful next season I want to be wrong about Howie. That means this organization is in a better position. See, and I understand the
0: frustration with Roseman. I'm not sitting here trying to sell you otherwise, but I go back to this notion of they won the Super Bowl with Howie Roseman as the general manager.
2: He built that team essentially. He hit on the right free agency moves. I mean, there was... but the thing I is, don't care what he did. Well, he didn't build that whole... A lot of those roster pieces have been from previous individuals. I think that's fair to say. Who? I mean, you look at that whole roster. It's not like Howie Roseman assembled all 53 men. I mean, there's been a process of, you know, drafting before when... From Andy Reid to Chip Kelly towards the late ends into where they were when not 2017 Not too many of those guys, guys
0: were, were Kelly... Uh, Reid no, guys. Not
2: as many, but I... I can't go down the road to saying like how we built that entire roster. I think that's a little bit strong. I mean, he
0: drafted Wentz.
2: Yes, Carson Wentz. Signed Blunt. He hit on every free agent that year. He really did. He He he, like batted a thousand, which was absurd. Um, Aguilar was drafted by Kelly. He was.
0: He signed Jeffrey. Yeah. He signed Torrey Smith. He hit on
2: every free agency signing. All right. He really uh, did. He
0: drafted Ertz. He drafted Vitae. He signed Wisniewski. I guess Reed drafted Kelsey. Yes.
2: He signed Brandon Brooks. Was that a trade? Or, they traded to get him, or did they? I think they got him. They, well, they, whoever they made a got trade. him, it yeah, was yeah, yeah. him. No, I agree. I just, I, if I remember correctly, I think they made a trade to Snag. Yeah, he, he, he was having some issues.
0: He was. He traded was, with Houston, I believe. No, he was oh, signed. Oh, he was signed. Okay. Yeah. Five-year, $40 million contract. Okay. So he signed Brandon Brooks. It's a great signing.
2: Phenom- ph- actually, like a pheno- like phenomenal signing.
0: He also drafted Lane Johnson. Yeah. So the entire offense, except for Ertz, he assembled on the Super Bowl winning team.
2: Well, Jason Kelsey was. Except for Kelsey. Yeah. He okay. drafted
0: Ertz. Yeah. So he gets credit for Ertz, too. The only person on, and Aguilar. Because Aguilar, I'm pretty sure, was drafted by Kelly. Right? Yes. We're in agreement there. Yeah. Aguilar was drafted the year that Kelly banished Roseman down the broom closet. Yes, that did happen. So. Sitting in the closet. He would not get credit for Aguilar. Not that anybody Aguilar, was trying to Kelsey, kick. and. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So that entire offense would be, Roseman assembled it.